You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Never forget the moment that I encountered God. I was in a prison cell and I just remember crying out to him going, God, if you're real, you need to come and save me. He said he would never put me through something that I couldn't handle. And then from that, that was when God became real to me because it made me regain strength and knew that whatever I was going through, I knew I could get through it because He was there with me. I remember when I was 16 years old, um, sitting in the back of a really small church, um, still not really sober from the night before. um, And I just remember um, hearing a a voice in my head sort of say, you know, "This this is not the life that I've called you to live. I got invited to Life Church by one of my workmates and I used to come to the services, got invited to camp and it was at one of the services at um, Young Adults Camp that I really experienced the love of Christ um, and it totally changed my life from that point in time. Like I actually went to church because I wanted to go and I wanted to be engaged and I wanted to serve. You know, it's so great to be connecting with every campus today and uh, up at Melbourne, of course, we love you guys and praying for you. In fact, here in New Zealand, we've almost been washed out, but I trust the weather's been better in Melbourne and, of course, down south and up at north. You know, this series that we are just stepping into today called One Purpose, I'd like to begin by asking you a fairly serious question. But if you were to take your Christian life and what you understand the Bible to say, And if you were to walk away with that and go, okay, I've got one purpose. What do you think you would respond by asking or answering that question with? What would be the number one priority in the heart of the Father for you? One purpose. This is a year for us at life, which is a year of more. We feel like God has given that to us as a theme. And You know, I began by sharing how that for more, all of us need to master our own mountain. And we've looked at the fact that one of the keys is to ensure you've got the right things in your backpack, that you're not carrying the residue of something that's gone on before you learn what it is to climb with the right kind of able partners. But here's another question. Why are you climbing the mountain? Why are you in church this morning? Why would it be that you are committed to living a Christian life when there is so much more and alternatives offered on the table? And I look at that and I found myself at the beginning of this year going, you know, God, I want you to keep me focused. I want you to continue to ensure as we walk together as a church that we are really seriously leaning into what is on your heart. And I felt overwhelmed I remember one particular day feeling overwhelmed in my heart that the heartbeat of the Father had a sense of urgency. And I had the sense that God was yearning for His children. And it was kind of like, it was just a fresh thought that, you know, God's children aren't just Christians, they are all of humanity. And this whole thought of that, am I living my life really in line with what God carries in His heart? Is my one purpose His one purpose? That one purpose literally equals people. That in all of the things that I want God to do for me and through me, it's like God's heart is, yeah, but do you realise that there is one thing in my heart and it's people, those that I've created, 
to discover who I am and what I'm able to do in their lives and how I wanna walk with them. And, and if we were to choose just that one thing, I wonder what we would choose. The Great Commission is, again, very revealing because Jesus talks to the disciples. He's trained them for three years. And then He, in Matthew, or let's read Mark chapter 16 and verse five, says to them, this is how I want you to live. I want you to go into all the world. I want you to be a preacher of good news. I want you to be somebody that brings the Gospel to every creature. Because the one that believes on me, they will be saved. And the one that does not believe will be condemned. And I thought you could read that two ways. You could look at that and saying, if I choose not to go with God, I'm gonna live condemned. No, if you've never embraced the saving power of Jesus, you already live condemned. It's kind of like before you know it or not, you are in this place of restriction and constriction and the enemy has his way. And then it says in verse 17, these signs will follow those who believe. They will in my name cast out demons. They will speak with new heavenly languages. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. Come on. And they shall recover. And, and I don't know, but most of my life I'm going, God, we've seen miracles and some of the miracles are amazing. But the truth is we should see a whole lot more. And I found myself as I was setting my heart up for this year, it's like, could it be that actually this great commission that Jesus gave to the disciples reveals something we've never seen? Could it echo that the first actually releases the rest? That if we make His priority our priority, if His purpose becomes our purpose, which is reaching people, then the miraculous power of God is gonna be released like we've never seen before. Could it be that we haven't set the right foundation in our Christian walk and so therefore increasingly we become powerless? But Jesus said, you're gonna bring the good news to a world that needs it. Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, you'll know the account in Luke chapter four goes into the synagogue. In fact, he was in Nazareth and there on the Sabbath day, he was given the book and he opened it up in Isaiah. In fact, it reflects Isaiah 61. And this is what he read in verse Luke, uh, in verse 18 of Luke four. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This was a bold statement to say in the synagogue because God has anointed me to preach the Gospel. Come on, whether we're in Melbourne, South, North, here in Central, wherever we find ourselves, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me not to feel goosebumps, not just to get a fix to help me through another day, but He's anointed me, what? To become a declaration of the Gospel. Then He says, then He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And again, I look at Scripture and I often throw it left and I throw it right and I say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I wonder if sometimes even our oppression as Christians, as followers of Christ is because we forgot the first thing. That actually we're commissioned to have a life of liberty, but that liberty comes on the basis of living one purpose, which is people. 
Even Paul the Apostle, when you look at his life in Acts 20, 22, he says, and see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. In other words, I go constrained in my life, not knowing the things that will happen to me there in Jerusalem, except that the Holy Spirit testifies that in every city, saying there is chains and tribulations that await me. Come on, when was the last time you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? And He said, I tell you what, it's gonna be tough in the future. Come on, it's not all easy. The enemy has a plan. He wants to thwart your ability to bring God to humanity. But none of these things, Paul said in verse 24, move me. In fact, I'm somebody that no longer counts my life dare for myself so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, my ministry is not that, you know, I'm wired this way or wired that way, but I am somebody that testifies. Wherever I go, I'm a reflection. I'm a loud hailer of the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He understood that opposition was par for the course and he understood this thought that we are the window. You and I are the window through which people see. It's kind of like, and I feel like the stirring in my heart that 2017 needs to be a year and all of those that are a part of life where we begin to realise, you know, I wake up in the morning, how do you feel? Well, I'm the window through which people get to see. Jesus began by saying, I'm here to preach the Gospel to the poor. Disciples go into all the world. Come on and bring the Gospel. Hey, Paul, I'm constrained by being an echo of the Gospel. The character, the heart of Paul is simply amazing. As we read in verse 23, chains and tribulations await me. I know to live this kind of life, it won't be easy. But, but they don't move me. They don't really impact me. Could I encourage everybody? Maybe this is a word in season. If you're going through a tough time, why don't you take the stance of Paul? It may be tough right now, but there's something far bigger going on. Come on, God is at work and God has saved me and I have a, a, an antidote to sin living on the inside of me. I, I, I'm a window to my world. In fact, I don't even count my life dear to myself. And I think the first thought that Paul literally was underscoring is my life exists for more than me. Come on, my life exists for more than self. So what did I get out of it? Well, it's not about what I got out of it. It's about what I carry out of it. It's not about where am I at right now? It's kind of, no, it's more than me. It's more than a world of my and me and I. It's about the fact that I've been born again and I'm saved. You know, freedom literally is found within the boundaries of divine purpose. It's kind of like, let this not be another preach this morning. Come on, every campus, I, I want to speak hard. I, it's kind of like you want freedom. You, you want to move past the sense of oppression and restriction. And like God, there's just so much attack. You can live above that when you begin to unlock one purpose, which is people and the fact that my freedom is found when I'm committing my life to live the way that God wants me to live, that I'm here to establish the Master's mission. Verse 24, so that I may finish my race with joy. You know, not only did Paul realise that his life existed for more than self, he realised that his focus 
was to finish his race. It's kind of like, yeah, it's tough whenever you enter into a race, particularly if you're competitive. You should see some of the team that work at life, extremely competitive, need that spirit cast out of them, some of them. But it's like, you know, it's like I'm going to finish my race. It, it, it is a life of much complexity. And there is a cost to completion. But let's be like Paul. It's kind of like, I'm going to just keep running. Often people say, well, how do you keep going? You just keep going. Just make a decision. It's not over yet. So therefore, we're going to keep at it. And we do have competitors. There are things in the race. There are distractions that want to cause us to drift off the one purpose. And I'm just saying again, you know, I think we're going to come back to the heart of the Father. I think we're going to come back and go, you know what? This is about the difference we can make in people. It's, it's not actually about me and my and I. It's about me running this race with a sense of purpose. He went on in verse 24, the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus is to testify to the gospel of the grace of my God. And really my purpose is to testify, is to let people know how large, how wonderful, how freeing the gospel of the graces. You know, he was called, he understood to be a witness. You go to the legal system, the witness box is a very powerful thing because in the witness box is where you establish truth. A lot of times as Christians, we think we've got to be profound evangelists. No, all we need to do is be a witness. You say, well, what's being a witness? Just tell people about the grace of God that's working in your life. You don't have to have a theology. Come on, diploma to be what God wants you to be. It's kind of like there's one purpose, reach people with your testimony. Be one person that's absolutely committed to, to doing that. I love the Message Bible writing about Paul. In fact, in verse 22 of Acts 20, this is what the Message Bible says. It says, but there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled. I just want you to hear his heart to go to work. I feel compelled to use this week. I feel compelled because of the urgency in my heart to catch up with my family when I'm so busy. I feel compelled to take a time out moment with a friend. I feel compelled this week, not just to be caught up in everything else that's compelling me or distracting me. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I know it won't be any picnic for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment and head. Can I, can I'd like to branch off and preach another message right now. Can I encourage you? It is tough to be a Christian. So stop freaking out when it gets tough because all of hell is against you. But what you gotta do is flick the light on in the middle of your darkness and really understand that the enemy is working against you. But what did Paul say about all that he was going to, the imprisonment and the repeated hard times? He says, but that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredible, extravagant generosity of God. Come on, we're in Melbourne because there are people that need God. We're in 
south, we're in north, we're in central. We work in an environment. We do our lives and all of the fun things we love to do because there are people. And it's kind of like our priority. Come on, our purpose. Because we are the window through which people see. I wonder where we're positioned in carrying God's heart. I wonder if today, and this is a question I've asked myself over the last month or so, whether I'm thinking enough about the reality of eternity. I wonder if we actually are motivated by the truth that sin destroys people. And yet God came to reverse all of that. I wonder when was the last time we read Romans 6, verse 23, which is preceded by verse 21 and 22. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, what that means is when you didn't know there was a gospel and you had given your life to sin, you lived outside of everything to do with righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things in which you are now ashamed? In other words, that life gave you nothing. For the end of those things always ends in death. But now having been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, note the terminology. You have your fruit of holiness and the end everlasting life. Then this classic verse, for the wages of sin, for all of humanity is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I kind of began to meditate and I thought, you know, the enemy's got us on the back foot. The enemy has actually spun a plan to make sure that we've seen the excesses of people, come on, really violating the airspace of other people through religious means. And yet we've ended up almost like passive in testifying about the greatness of God and what God has done for us. We've become defensive rather than offensive. And I think really sometimes it's because we fear men, we fear their response, we're not sure what to say. And let me just say, we in the series wanna talk about how do we construct Come on, a powerful pathway where people can discover God. Maybe we've been subject to previous reactions or extremes. or It could be like I'm saying today, we just aren't intentional about our focus. And I'd like to suggest just three challenges that I feel like God's challenging me with. The first is this, if we're gonna live like Paul, like Jesus, like the disciples, we've got to embrace, first thought is intentionality. Come on, we're going to be intentional. It's kind of like, we're going to go into this week going, you know what, I'm going to be a testimony bringer because I am the window through which Jesus sees. Uh, Last weekend, we were sharing, Marie and I were in Adelaide speaking at a church and did a leaders weekend as well. And on the uh, late afternoon after the Saturday leaders day, we went for a walk down one of the malls of Adelaide people everywhere because it was a big time of celebration in Adelaide. They have the month of March, which so much happens. And uh, sure enough, we bumped in. I heard the, the familiar sound of some Hare Krishna people halfway up the mall. And uh, Marie was in some shops. And as I love to do, I just support her shopping by standing outside the shops and have a coffee or two. And 
I just stood next to these three young people, Hare Krishna people. Uh, again, going up to people with their books and playing their music. And again, they give a book and then after a moment or two, they'd ask for a donation. And I saw numbers of people, again, literally stop what they'd come out to do to listen to what was being brought to them. One lady I saw come and she was kind of fairly impacted, it seemed, by what they were saying and ended up sitting on the ground for over half an hour. And I just looked at that again because I, I have some questions about some of the street kind of witnessing we've done in the past. Like somebody standing with a placard saying, you're going to hell if you don't get saved. I, I don't think that's the way of the gospel. Having said that, I wonder sometimes whether we've lost our intentionality. I wonder if actually other people are more committed than we are at times. And the challenge is Romans 10 verse 14. How will my children, wherever they find themselves, call on Him who have not believed? And how will they believe in Him who have never heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall one preach unless the sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings, come on, of good things. I think there's a hint. We're not here, come on, to bring judgment. I am violently opposed for us to judge any sector of society, but we're here to bring good tidings. Come on, great news. Why? Because we're the window through which people see Intentionality, I wonder if we need to up the flame on intentionality. Those that work with us, come on. Those that we come across, those that we have a meal with, is there any level of intentionality? Because how will they hear if somebody doesn't testify? Intentionality, the second thing is awareness. I think sometimes we negate the power of the Holy Spirit because we don't invite Him to help us. It's kind of like he, He's not just there to teach us the language, which is a heavenly language. He's there to direct us to the people. And I just believe that if we actually were looking beyond ourselves, if we became intentional and then said, Holy Spirit, make me aware as to who is ready, who is crying out, who needs to find an answer, something would begin to shift. Years ago, I talked about a guy that when we lived in Sydney was the owner of a panel beating place. I don't know how many hundreds of times we walk past that place, but I've got an interest in practical things. So I would kind of linger as I walk past. And over a period of time, I realized who was the boss. And it just so happened after, I don't know, maybe a hundred times passing that shop, he was standing at the entrance. So I just stopped and I said, hi, I, I, I see you've got a great place happening here. And I've always been interested in panel beating. I've never done it. And uh, he was sort of taken back that I stopped just to talk and ask the question. And he seemed a relatively nice guy. His name was Ken, found out he was the owner. Long story short, he invited me the next time I walked by just to come in and have a look around. And then we sat and we had a coffee. And before we knew it, we were having deep, long conversations. After a number of times, I had the privilege of leading him to Christ. For him only to say, you don't realize how bad I've been. I said, well, you don't need to tell me everything you've done. He said, no, I've been really bad. I, and I had to, again, through my testimony and through the Word, explain to him, it doesn't matter where you've been. The answer is good news. And you 
can't do good outside of the things of God anyway. So what a great thing. He started coming to church with us. But I'll never forget one day when he said to me, he said, Paul, I got a question I got to ask you. I said, what's that? He said, why didn't somebody tell me earlier? Why? I didn't know how to answer that. I would say today, well, you've got to realise how busy we are, mate. You don't believe what's happening at work. Did you realise you're not at work to make money primarily? Do I realise I'm not there filling up the car to get gas primarily? There's one purpose. And maybe there will be times at work, at a lunch, filling up with gas, where if I'm tuned into the Holy Spirit, there's nobody there, but I'm being aware. Come on, I'm being intentional. And then I'm being aware and saying, God, let's go. You know, if you, if you want to get good at fishing, you need to know where the fish are. There are two things if you want to be a great fishing person. One is you fish with bait, you bring the fish to you. The second thing is you go to where the fish are. If you don't do one or other of those, you'll catch nothing. And that's what the church does all the time. We aren't attractive. Come on. Or we're not prepared to take the time with intentionality and with understanding that there's somebody there. Marie was sharing with me this week, just reminding me, she's 19, she's 18, I think 18 or 19. Her life's a mess. She's been abused. She's been on drugs. She's been through you know, a very, very sad upbringing. Her brother rings her and says, she lives in Melbourne at the time. Her brother's in Sydney. He's married and invites her to come for the weekend. Obviously, he understands where she's at and all that she's going through. She said she got off the plane and the brother said, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, but we've got a camp this weekend. And Marie says, well, what sort of camp? Oh, you'll enjoy it. It's just this church that we've been going to come along to the camp. She was quite upset to put it mildly. But somebody stood and said, would you come? It was that camp that she gave her life to Christ. Because somebody, despite what she thought she knew, knew the Holy Spirit was saying, it's time. It's time. See, if we don't open who we are, if we don't allow the enemy to make us aware, I'm pretty old now I remember when cars used to have aerials that you could see I had a Datsun 1200 that had one of those electronic aerials that I put in but it looked way uncool if you had it all the way up but sometimes you would go into the country where the reception back then was not very good and you had to extend the aerial all the way up even though it didn't look uncool I kind of get the feeling that God is saying to us, would you go into this week with your aerial up? So in the darkness, you could hear from me, that's the one. Even if they don't seem like they're ready, that's the one. I know what's going on in their lives. Come on. Intentionality. Acceptance. What a challenge. Uh, Sorry, awareness. The third one is, is acceptance. For me, this is a fairly big one that, come on, all around us in our worlds, and again, this relates to all of us at life, is 
we've got to learn to accept people that are very different to us. People that are doing things that we would see sometimes as vile or so wrong. And I've discovered the Holy Spirit needs something to use. One of the greatest things we can bring first up is our acceptance of other individuals. By accepting where they're at is not condoning the decisions they're making. It's deeper than that. Did you know that God first loved you before you responded to Him? And it's kind of like, I want to come to this place of I've got to be more intentional. I want to be more aware, allow the Holy Spirit. But I also have got to up the acceptance in my life because that acceptance, see that one purpose, which is people comes out of these three things, the intentionality, the awareness and the acceptance and the whole thought that we are the window through which Jesus, come on, is displayed. That's, that's the way that God reaches others. People see because of the window that we are. I'm not sure if you never, if you ever understood this, but how many have heard of Mahatma Gandhi? You know, I was reading about his life. He is arguably one of the most respected leaders of modern history. He's a Hindu and Gandhi, they are very clear and he made it very clear. Also, even though being a Hindu, admired Jesus and often quoted from the Sermon on the Mount. Once there was a missionary, his name was E. Stanley Jones, met with Gandhi and he said to him, Mr. Gandhi, though you quote the words of Christ often, it appears that you adamantly reject him as a follower. Gandhi replied, oh, I don't reject your Christ. I love your Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. Apparently, Gandhi's rejection of Christianity grew out of an incident that happened when he was a young man practicing law in South Africa. He had been attracted to the Christian faith and began to study the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. And he was seriously exploring becoming a Christian. He decided one day to go to church. And so he went to a church. And as he came to the steps of this large church where he intended to go, a white South African elder of the church barred his way into the door. Where do you think you're going, Kaffir? The man asked Gandhi in a belligerent tone of voice. Gandhi replied, I'd like to attend worship here, sir. The church elders snarled at him. There's no room for Kaffirs in our church. Get out of here or I'll have my assistants throw you down the steps. From that moment, Gandhi said he decided to adopt what good he found in Christianity, but he would never again consider becoming a Christian if it meant being part of a church. If you don't know what the word kafir means, it means it's an insulting term for black Africans. In fact, the word kafir derives its meaning from a, a, a Arabic term meaning disbeliever. It's kind of like you're a disbeliever. You're a different level. Which brings me to the point of, I think sometimes even though we stand for truth and what we believe, come on, there has to be the acceptance completely of the individuals that we're wanting to reach. You see, every one of us are hoping, are praying, whether we're in the church or outside of the church, whether we've got a Christian background or not, is there a better way? Is there someone who would reach out and accept me? Let's have a look at the screen. My name is Daniel Neumer. I'm 
half Cook Island Samoan. I grew up in a family where my father was addicted to drugs and alcohol. Um, so there was a lot of violence at home. Um, when he wasn't on the stuff, you know, we were a poor family, so it was quite often where he didn't have the money to buy it. Um, and so he would take that violence out on my mum or myself. Inside, there was a lot of anger and hatred towards my father. And when someone would make me angry or, or upset me or, or do something bad to me, the only way I knew how to handle that was to lash out at them. And, and that's what I saw as a kid. Um, and so I was living out in South Auckland um, for a while. Um, started getting into the same things that my father was in, uh, drugs and alcohol. Um, and then a family friend um, of ours, who, who was a pastor of a church, um, pulled me out of South Auckland and moved me um, to West Auckland. And, um, you know, hoping that that, that would change um, my path, I guess. But, you know, being me um, and not really dealing with the root problem, um, I ended up hanging out with the same sort of guys, just in a different area. Um, and so when I hit 15, uh, that's when he decided to pull me out of school and give me a, a job. I wanted to prove myself to, to this guy. Um, you know, and so this was the first man that really took interest in my life. Um, and so I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to make him proud of me. Um, and so that's why I worked my butt off and, and got to where I, where I am today because of the opportunity that he gave me. And, you know, he gave me that mentoring and um, he spoke into my life and it was something that, you know, that I, I always cherish because it's, um, it shows that someone actually cared about me. You know, I wonder how many Daniels are in our lives, quietly crying out and saying, is there a better way? Is there somebody who would love me and accept me? Because we need to realise we are the window through which people see. And our acceptance of those that are far from God would change everything. I found myself going, God, I want people in my world that a lot of people in our church would turn their head at so that I could learn things about your heart and how this unconditional acceptance really works and really means that you would actually meet us where we need to be. You may have heard this illustration, but I think it describes it well. There was a pet owner that decided to erect a sign outside of his pet shop that said puppies for sale, knowing that it would attract small children. And sure enough, a little boy appeared under the store owner's sign. And he said to the owner, how much, how much are the puppies that are for sale? He said anywhere between 30 and $50 and the little boy reached into his pocket and pulled out all of his change and said, but sir, I've only got $2.37. But could I at least have a look at them? And the store owner smiled and whistled and out came from the kennel all these little puppies, these little furry balls of fluff. Yet one of the puppies lagged way, well behind and immediately the little boy singled out the lagging, limping puppy and said, what, what's wrong with that little dog? And the store owner explained that the vet had examined the puppy and discovered that this little puppy had no hip socket in one side. It would always limp, it would always be lame. And yet the little boy seemed to get really excited. That's the little puppy I want to buy. 
the store owner said, no, 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 that's not the puppy that you want to buy. I'll just give him to you. To which the little boy got visibly upset and he looked straight into the store owner's eyes saying, I don't want you to give him to me. That little puppy is worth as much as all the other dogs, all the other dogs, all the other puppies, and I'm willing to pay full price. What say I give you my $2.37 and then every week I'll pay you 50 cents. But the store owner responded, you really don't want to buy this little dog. He's never going to be able to jump. He's never able going to be able to play with you like the other puppies could. To this, this little boy reached down, rolled up the leg of his pants to reveal a badly twisted crippled left leg supported by a metal brace. He looked up at the owner and said, well, I don't seem to run well myself and this little puppy will need somebody who understands him. And I thought, God, that's where we're going as a church. We want to be there. Come on, for the crippled, the broken. In fact, that's what Jesus said. I come to bring a gospel to the poor. I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince people, but I'm going to be there to accept those that don't find acceptance anywhere else. And those three things, one purpose is about people. It's about us living with intentionality, awareness and acceptance. Let's have a look at how Daniel's life turned out. My wife and I started up a trust, um, a youth trust called Generation Ignite. Um, and and at, at a young age, um, probably around about 17, 18, I wanted to help kids that were going through the same situation that I did. We run a, a, youth, a community youth group on a Friday nights, um, and a lot of the kids that come are kids that we've just met on the street, um, you know, for the first time, and we we really want to connect with them and then inspire them and equip them. I knew in my heart I had to uh, amend the relationship between my father and I, um, and it was hard because you know what he'd done. Um, I hadn't seen him for a few years, and I, I knocked on the door and. And I sat down and um, we spoke for a while, you know, and I told him I forgave him. And that hatred that I had for him isn't there anymore. When I look back, that whole picture in front of me was just a blur. But now that I'm closer to, to where God wants me to be, it's becoming more, you know, more real. I guess more, more, more easier to see um, the path that he's taken me down. So cool, huh? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Father, we take a moment. And Holy Spirit, we just open who we are. In the busyness of our worlds and the demands and the pressures, even the challenges, sometimes just because of life and at times because of the onslaught of the enemy. We ask you to begin a shift in us that we will live for one purpose, which is people. That actually we will be people that with our hearts open and our spirits leading towards you, that God, we will go into this week, into this year with intentionality. That God, we will be receptive. We'll have our antennas up high because there are people that are breaking right now that need to have someone's love and complete acceptance. And we pray that you will continue to soften and to 
shape our hearts so that we would live the Great Commission, that we would be testifiers of the grace of God, whatever the cost, that we would move from a defensive position about our faith to an offensive, which is not being, again, dogmatic, not pressurizing, but being bold and declaring the good news, the great news of how Jesus has met us and changed us. We pray this week that there will be a time where we'll have someone across our table in our home, in the atmosphere of who you are in us, that they could discover there is a God that loves them, is waiting for them, and cares for them. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.